I have finally been able to convince my father-in-law during this trip here that he should uh, say a few words to us in this time of meditation tonight. Uh, he is a very dear man. Some of you have gotten to know him and their visits here, and you know that he is a man of God. I guess my uh, favorite picture of him is found in our wedding album. We particularly chose this picture because of what it suggests. There's a picture of him at our reception, and uh, he is standing next to me with his mouth open, obviously talking, and has his arm, his hand rather, on my arm, and his other hand on his billfold. <laughs> And I've been trying to figure out ever since, was he putting it away or taking it out? I don't remember him taking it out. But uh, that's my favorite picture of him. But uh, tonight he's going to share with us. He is on the staff at Calvary Baptist Church in Covington, Kentucky. And uh, he and my mother-in-law will be heading back tomorrow to home there. But I'm glad that tonight, Poppy, as we call you, you've consented to speak to us. Come and share the word. You notice he said I was going to say a few words. Uh, in other words, he meant be brief. Amen. <laughs> In the year 1934, I was ordained to the gospel ministry. So in December of this year, I will have been in the ministry 50 years, and I admit to you that I know so little about preaching yet. There's so much I still have to learn. But I remember what an old preacher said to me in the early part of my ministry. He said, young man, as long as you're green, you're still growing. So I ought to be growing, because I recognize that in so many areas, I have to say, I just don't know about this. It's a privilege to be with you tonight. We always enjoy coming and visiting with you folk here, especially our family, our youngest daughter, and the three, four grandchildren. Uh, he, uh, the pastor said something about uh, when he introduced us to the class this morning, he said my wife's name, his mother-in-law said, now her name is Mary Francis, isn't it? Eggleston, and uh, she said yes. And he said, now uh, you tell me what your name is. I said, Harmon Eggleston. And when he had my wife's middle name in there, I just couldn't let him get by with that. I said, well, my full name is Harmon Brooks. Eggleston. Now that means nothing to you all, but Jonathan's middle name is Brooks. And I tell you, he's something special. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yes. It's always a solemn time when we come to the Lord's Supper, it's a time of rejoicing. But yet it should sober us when we realize the price that Christ paid for our redemption. 
And tonight, briefly, I'd like for us, I said briefly, I'd like for us to think about three different looks when we come to the Lord's table. Three looks when we come to the Lord's table. Do you have your Bible with you tonight? Hold your sword up, would you? I'll declare. Mark, is that your Bible or your wife's? It's yours. All right. All right. Would you let me see it after the service and see if his name is in it? Yes. All right. Always bring your Bible with you when you come to the house of God to follow along as the preacher reads the word and as he preaches it. I often say this, when I was growing up on the farm, we milked about 11 cows night and morning. And you know, uh, we didn't have the milkers. Here were the milkers. And uh, I never went to milk without a bucket. Now that's logical, isn't it? I always say, don't come to church without the Bible, the sword of the Spirit. One time preaching at Calvary, I said, how many of you have your Bibles? And everyone but a young lady said, well, I have my little New Testament. I said, well, that's a dagger. It's all right. It's a dagger. It's a part of God's Word. Now tonight, I'd like for you to open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. In the first part of the chapter, Paul praises the Corinthian believers because of the way they had obeyed his preaching, his oral teaching. He said, I praise you for the way you have observed and kept and obeyed the instructions of the Lord through my oral teaching. But when he comes to the 17th verse, he said, Now I've got something I can't praise you for. I have something I have to rebuke you for. And that something was, uh, when they came to observe the Lord's Supper, in the early church they had what they called a love feast before the supper. And uh, the rich members would bring their baskets full of food, abundance of food, and they would get off and eat their food together. And the poor folk, those who were possibly slaves, and they had to come right from work to the service, they had very little to eat. And as they sat and watched the rich people eating their food, I'm sure they drooled. And they thought, I'd sure like to have some of that steak. But that's the way they did. They, they, instead of doing it together, little group over here, little click over here, and they didn't observe the Lord's Supper together. Paul said, I want to tell you something. You can't observe the Lord's Supper like that. You can go through the form, but it's not observing the Lord's Supper. And so then in verse 23, we break in there, follow along as I read. 
I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night, while he was being betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup. After supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament or covenant in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show or proclaim, preach or declare the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation or judgment or chastisement unto himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Many had already died under the chastening of the Lord. But if we would judge or carefully examine ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened, we are disciplined of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home that ye may come not together unto condemnation or to judgment, and the rest will I arrange when I come. The Apostle Peter said of our Lord in 1 Peter 2, verse 7, that he is precious to them that believe. Isaiah, speaking of coming Messiah, said one of his names would be wonderful. I tell you, our blessed Redeemer is so precious that it takes many, many names to just partially reveal to us how wonderful he is. Three of the most commonly used names of our Savior in the New Testament is Lord, Jesus, and Christ. Those three names together are found about 80 times in the New Testament. Here's an example, 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Isn't that a wonderful verse? For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye, you, through his poverty, might be rich. Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, Lord is uh, his divine name, bringing out to us the deity of our Savior. Jesus is his human name, meaning Savior. He who was God became man. And then Christ, meaning the anointed one, also equivalent to the Hebrew word Messiah. 
He is the anointed one. In my scraping through the New Testament, I found that several times the word Lord is used as a possessive adjective. Uh, in fact, three times here in the first or the eleventh chapter of First Corinthians, we have the word Lord used as an adjective, a possessive adjective. Revelation one ten is another time. The word Lord as a name of our Savior is used as an adjective. Revelation one ten, John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. The Lord's day. Of course, some believe that that means that the day of the Lord that John speaks about in the book of Revelation. Others think it's, it's referring to the first day of the week on which the early saints gathered together to worship the Lord. I rather take it with that meaning. John on the island of Patmos, away from his home, away from other believers. Nobody knew what he was going to be doing that Lord's day. But I tell you what, he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Meaning that the Spirit of God so possessed him that he was able to write to us the wonderful book of Revelation, the Lord's day. And then here in 1 Corinthians 11, we have the word Lord used as an adjective again in verse 26. Notice verse 26. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do proclaim the Lord's death. The Lord's death. There are some who are higher critics, and uh, it's hard for them to accept the miraculous in the Bible. They deny that Jesus really died. He just fainted. He swooned. And the cool air of the sepulcher caused him to come back, revive from that fainting condition. The Bible more than once says he died. Romans 5, 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Who are you going to believe, the skeptics or the Bible? Christ died. Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth or demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I tell you, he didn't just faint. He didn't just die. He didn't just swoon. He died the Lord's death. Then come to verse 29. You have... The word Lord is again. Verse 29. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily. Notice it's an adverb. It's not describing the person that eats. It's an adverb describing the manner in which we eat. So many folks say, oh, I'm so unworthy. And the Bible said that unworthy ones should not partake of it. If there's anyone here tonight, you're saved. And you feel that you're worthy of coming to the Lord's table. Would you stand to your feet now and tell us? We're all unworthy. He's not talking about that. He's talking about the manner in which we partake of it. If we partake of it unworthily. 
who eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. There you have it again, Lord's body. It could have two references there. The Lord's body could be referring to his body as represented in the bread and the fruit of the vine. We could come to the Lord's table and not realize that the bread and the fruit of the vine is representative of his body that was given as a sacrifice for our sins and his blood that was shed for us at Calvary. Or it could be referring to his spiritual body. You know, the Lord Jesus has a body on earth now. A spiritual body. And every born-again person in this age is a part of that body. Some are in heaven now. Some are still on earth. But we're all members of that body. And we became members of his body when we got saved. We were, baptized, we were baptized by one spirit into the one body of Christ. It could be referring to that. This could be a rebuke to these who were in Corinth eating the Lord's Supper in the, in the way they were eating it. Little group over here, little group over here. He said, listen, you're not recognizing the fact that all believers are in the body of Christ. You're not discerning the body of Christ, the Lord's body. And then we come to the 20th verse. Go back, I mean, now to the 20th verse. And here you have the word Lord's again. Listen, when you come together, therefore, into one place, it is not possible to eat the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper. This is the only time in the New Testament you have the expression, the Lord's Supper. Referring to that meal, that memorial meal that he had with his disciples on the night before his crucifixion. Before he went into the Garden of Gethsemane. Had that supper. Supper. Well, I wonder why it's called the Lord's Supper. I wonder why it's called the Lord's Supper. Well, I can think of just uh, three reasons quickly. One is it, he instituted it. That's why it was the Lord's Supper. He instituted it. Our second reason was it, uh, uh, it was given in the evening. And that's why they call it supper. You know, in the Bible, the evening meal was always called supper. What do you call it? Some circles, they call it dinner. It's all right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't pick at you about that. But I just know that down south, we called it breakfast. Bible called the morning meal breakfast. Evening meal, lunch or dinner. Uh, I mean the noon meal and then the evening meal, supper. And it was supper. And a third reason they called it the Lord's Supper, it spoke of him. It spoke of him. It was the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper. And in the scripture we read tonight, it pointed out to us that when we come to the Lord's Supper, there are three looks that we ought to always take when we come to the Lord's Supper. The first look we should always take is a backward look. 
Somebody said, never look backward. Never look backward. But here we're admonished to look backward in verse 24 and 25. Listen to verse 24 and 25. Paul said, writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, and when ye have, and when he had given thanks, he said unto them, take eat, this is my body, which is for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament or covenant in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink of it in remembrance of me. In remembrance of what? In remembrance of the time when he at Calvary offered his body as a sacrifice for our sins. He said, take, eat, this is my body. This represents my body. And he said, when you drink of the fruit of the vine, remember that at Calvary I shed my precious blood that you might have remission of your sins. Yes, it, that's the backward look. Look back, look back to Calvary. And remember what he did for us there. What did he do for you there and me? Listen, his body was the atoning, satisfying sacrifice to the Father that made possible our redemption. His precious blood that was shed there made possible the forgiveness and cleansing of our sins. It was shed. We have a song. Grace that is greater than all my sins. One of the stanzas goes, There where the blood of the Lamb was spilt. Spilt. When Dr. Fred Brown, great church evangelist of today, was preaching in the Philadelphia area when he was a young man, and he said he noticed in the service a quaint little fellow with a little goatee. Very quaint. Just a little goatee, very well kept. And he said at the close of the service, that young man came, that man came up to Dr. Brown as a young preacher and said, Young preacher, you made a terrible mistake tonight in your message. Well, you can imagine how Dr. Brown must have felt. If he'd have found a hole, he could have crawled through it. He would have. He said, well, I know I make a lot of mistakes. But he said, what, what did I, what was my mistake tonight? He said, you said when the blood of Christ was spilt. Well, Dr. Brown said, yes, I remember saying that. But what's wrong with that? He said, you go home and get your dictionary and look up and see what the word spilt means. You know what it means, don't you? Accidentally done. I had many a milk bucket. The milk was spilt in it, but it was accidentally done. Ah, listen, the blood of our Savior was not accidentally done. It was done with a purpose, a purpose.
And so that's the backward look. Tonight as we come to the Lord's table, let's look back to Calvary. Have you ever been to Calvary? No. Some of you have been to the Holy Land. I haven't been there in person. But I tell you, I've been there by faith. I've been there by faith. By faith, I could see him dying on Calvary's cross for a hell-deserving sinner like me. Never forget to take the backward look when you come to the Lord's Supper. And then we ought to look forward in verse 26. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do proclaim, ye do preach, you do uh, declare the Lord's death till he come. Aren't you glad he's coming again? We look backward to what he did for us at Calvary to make possible our redemption. And we look forward to his coming for the completion of our redemption. Don't forget to look forward to his coming. Expect him every day, great preacher of the past, as he'd retire for the night before he'd pull the blind. He'd look out into the starry heavens and say, perhaps tonight, Lord, perhaps tonight. He'd get up the next morning, raise the blind, look out into the, the sky and say, perhaps today, Lord, perhaps today. Let me tell you something. If we would look forward to the coming of the Lord every day, he would purify our lives. He that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Ah, yes, he's coming again. And he's going to complete our redemption. That's why we ought to look forward to that. You say, preacher, I don't understand you. I'm redeemed already. You're just part way redeemed. So am I. I don't have my redemption body yet. Romans 8 speaks of how we look far, forward to the redemption of the body. I don't have my redemption body yet. And you can't kid me. You don't have yours either. Man came in. My few words up to Galen. Uh, man came into Dr. Ironside's office on the West Coast one time and he was a mess. Oh, he just looked terrible. And uh, Dr. Ironside got talking with him and he said, I want you to know I've got my redemption body. I've got my redemption body. Dr. Ironside looked over his glasses and said, if that's the redemption body, I think I'll keep the one I've got. <laughs> ah, listen, this is the forward look. Look forward to the day when the Lord Jesus will come again. Surely I come quickly, he says. That doesn't mean he's going to come soon necessarily when he said that. It meant when the time of his coming Arrives, He'll come with the speed of thought. He'll come suddenly. That's the backward look. But now let's look at the other look. Let's look at the other look. Is that right? 
Anyways, there's the other look now. The backward look, the forward look, and then there's a look within. This is going to hurt us. We're going to say, ouch. Jonathan fell and hurt his knee. Oh, it was really a, a terrible, terrible scratch on there, you know. Oh, it, it was terrible. He had to have a Band-Aid on it. And it, it felt better as soon as he got that Band-Aid on there. But he said to me, he said, uh, here's my ouch. My ouch. This is going to hurt us now. This is going to make us say ouch. Here it is in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 28. But let a man examine himself. And after self-examination and getting things all straightened out, that he may eat of the bread and drink of the cup. That's the inward look. The inward look. Those of us here in this service this evening who have been born from above, we not only need to look back to Calvary, not only to look forward to look forward ahead to his coming, but we need to look within. Look within. Examine. We do a lot of examining of others, don't we? We need to examine ourselves. We're coming to the Lord's table. We're coming to the Lord's Supper. Let's for a moment turn our eyes upon ourselves. Is everything all right between me and my Father? Do I have unconfessed sin in my life? And I know about it. I know what they are. But I have never confessed them to him as my father. And said, Father, I'm sorry. Forgive me. How about it? Examine ourselves. The inward look. The inward look. How is it between you and other believers? Are there some believers here in this fellowship that maybe you just have bitterness in your heart for them. You just kind of avoid them. You don't like to speak to them. You don't like to get close to them. You have things in your heart that have grieved the Spirit of God. Can I have things like that in my life that I need to confess? Examine yourselves. That's the inward look. Will you do that just a moment? Examine yourself. Husband, examine yourself. You think, boy, I'd like to examine my wife. But you examine yourself. Examine yourself. Everything all right between you and the Lord? Everything all right between you and your wife? You and your husband? If not, now you don't have to make a show of it. Just in the quietness of this moment, confess to God whatever might be there that shouldn't be there. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness.
the backward look, the forward look, and the inward look. Would you let me close with a thought from the 21st verse of this chapter? 1 Corinthians 10. Well, no, it's not the 21st verse. It's the 24th verse. And when he had given thanks, he brake and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is for you. I don't like to close the service without having a gospel appeal. And here it is. Harold Fickett, who's written a number of good books, I enjoy his books that I have in my library. He points out that there's no word in the best manuscripts for the verb broken. He said, in fact, it's uh, just a preposition there. My body, which is for you. He said the Lord was literally and actually saying, he said the four could be up and over, up and over. He said the Lord was really saying, this is my body which is over you. A picture of the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ. You know, atonement has the meaning of covering. Over you, the wrath of God that we deserve to have administered to us for eternity. The body of Christ comes between us and that wrath. Then he told about an experience that J.C. Massey, great preacher in the East in his day, told about himself, on himself. He grew up on a farm in South Georgia. And his mother was known and famous for her ability to make uh, feather beds. Feather beds. Of course, they don't have those anymore. I wished I had one when it gets 25 below zero. But anyways, his mother was known for making feather beds. And uh, she'd always told him, said, now listen here. Don't you ever... Get on the headboard of any bed and jump into the feather bed. She almost threatened him with death if he did. One day his mother was out in the barn washing and she sent him into the house to get something. He went into the house to get what his mother wanted. He was doing real good in obeying until he got in there. And he climbed up on the headboard of one of those beds and he dived into that feather mattress, feather bed. Oh, it was so much fun. And he kept doing it. Got up on the headboard, dive into the feather mattress, feather bed. All of a sudden he heard the swishing of a skirt. His mother came in. And he knew that payday had come. <laughs> he threw himself on the bed, stomach down, back up. And she was getting ready to administer the punishment he deserved. An older brother at that time saw the situation 
And he threw his body over the body of little J.C. And he said to his mother, he said, Mother, little J.C. is not big enough to take the punishment. And said, let me take the punishment for him. Threw his body over the body of little J.C. Massey. The mother looked and tears began to flow down her cheek. She was a devoted Christian. She realized in what was taking place there was a picture of Calvary where Jesus died in my place, in your place. And then she looked at both of those boys and she said, you all get out of here as quick as you can. Oh, my friend, tonight, that's why we look back to Calvary. Because there he died for you and me. Have you ever looked to him in faith and repentance of sin? If you haven't, tonight would be a good time to do that. Good time to do it. If there's just one here tonight, you've never had that birth from above. And you realize you're a sinner and you're on the way to hell deserving to go there. Let the Spirit of God work in your heart. Work that repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then after you get saved, you can have that backward look. You can have that forward look. And when you come to the Lord's table, you'll have that inward look. That'll be so helpful. Let's pray. Father, thanks for Calvary. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thy agony, lest I forget your love for me, lead me to Calvary. As we come to the Lord's table tonight, Lord, help us to have all three looks, and may we be strengthened spiritually as a result of taking the three looks again. In Jesus' name, amen.